Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God Of Jesus since we've been here. And to brag on you guys, last week we started asking people to come in early to pray with us. Um, intercessory prayer. We had four people last week, and I don't know what happened, but this morning there was like 20 of us praying. So thank you for that. So from 9.15 to 9.45 every week, we'll continue praying for the services, for the people, for the staff, for what God wants here, and you're all welcome to that. Um, for those of you who struggle in that environment, I'll provide a little outline of the things we can pray for. For those of you who that's your natural kind of mamma then feel free. But that's next Sunday as well. Um, let's pray real quick. Jesus, we ask you to be here. We ask you to just infuse your spirit and passion. God, that we would just be infused by you. That this would not just be. We don't want to just go through motions. We don't want to just meet to meet. We don't want to suffice people and make them happy, and hopefully they'll want to come back. We want to sit at the table with Jesus and share him. Today, let it be encouraging. Yes, as Rachel prayed, touch the deeper parts of our hearts, the deeper parts, God. Don't let us just hear a message that makes us feel better for six days. Help us to be encouraged, God, to be with you, to live life with you to sacrifice everything for you, Jesus. That's the only place we're going to find this fulfillment where it's natural. So today as we talk about Ephesians 3, I do pray, God, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to be revelation, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to infuse power, that you would encourage us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So real quick, um, over the past three weeks, we've been talking about Ephesians. We're going into Ephesians. We're going to stay there for a few more uh, weeks. Um, it'll, it'll be a little while. And so far we've kind of walked through um, the big deal with Ephesians is that through Paul, 
They're trying to get the message out that there's going to be others included in this, and it's going to rub your feathers the wrong way. There are going to be people that we're going to now involve in this message, the gospel, the power of Jesus Christ, that are going to rub you the wrong way, namely the Gentiles whom you hate and have hated and would like to see killed. They're now going to be sitting at the same table with you, and you're going to have to deal with it because they're now allowed into the Father's family. That's the book of Ephesians. It's really, if you talk about the main point of Ephesians, it's that these people who you formerly hated will now be allowed to be in on what you're in on. It's the people who are far away and the people who are near coming together to form a family. And that family forming this new church, that goes. Well, today, I'll be honest with you, when I read this passage to to preach to you guys, I, I almost thought it was just, let's just read through it and we'll jump to Ephesians 3. 14 through 21. I, th- I feel like this is kind of a recap, and so I talked to Sarah about it, and as I started to jump into it, I really felt like, I was really excited, honestly, because I didn't see what was there at first, but this passage talks about calling, um, which if you looked back on your life, I don't know if you call it calling, maybe you call it your life's work. Like if you're looking at the end of your life back on it, what you spent the sum of your life mainly focused on. But as you're looking into the future of it, maybe it's, maybe it's calling. That's not the specific word used here, but it's what a person does with their life when they're certain that they've been led by Jesus to do it. And then it talks about suffering, which is very much all in this passage. It's the first 13 verses. It starts with it and it ends with it. And I love it, and this is why I felt like Jesus was like, you know, you need to talk about this. Because there are people in the room that need to hear this, and they need to be challenged into a place where one, they understand how much the Father loves them, and two, they understand that your life's just not a dilly-dally here like all the way through it, and then hopefully at the end, some kind of beautiful quilt's behind you, like where you've kind of did this, did this, but it's more of like a, there's gotta be a time in our lives where there's a concerted effort to hear from the Father and ask, I kinda believe you have a plan for me that's not just about me having a bigger house and a better car. I kinda believe you've called me to do something you want me to do something, what is it? There has, there has to be in your life something where you walk into that and listen and then give space for the Father to be like, here's what it is, you know, and I don't think this is like your how-to, one, two, threes. I'm not going to write a book on how to find your calling, you know. Not many of you are going to be on your way somewhere and an angel show up and blind you and turn you from everything you hate to now reaching those people. Like Paul's story, it's not typically how I've heard people being called in to do stuff or people figuring out what they're going to spend their life on. I kind of feel like it's a little bit like snowflakes, you know, like each of us has a story to tell. Each of our salvation experiences a little different, you know. I, I can't point back in my salvation experience to this moment where like the roof was ripped off and like in Hebrew, I, f- I finally understood Hebrew all of a sudden and he spoke to me in Hebrew. Then he went to Greek and back to Hebrew and it was intertwined, but I understood it all and he said, Joshua, pastor. In Smyrna, like that didn't happen for me. And my salvation experience looked more like three years, if I'm just being honest. It looked more like this litany of like, is this real, is this real, is this real? And then over a period of time, kind of absorbing, okay, this is real, this is real. I'm experiencing, oh my gosh, this is great. I'll, I'll live my life for you. That's, that's more my experience. Some of you are like, that's not my experience. And you can point to an exact time. You know the people who say, I was saved on da 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 There are people who know that. That's not my story. Some of you, that's great. So today, when we talk about calling, I don't want you to feel pressure to figure it out today. That's stupid. That's not, that would, that would alleviate the whole good part of it. Like, most of the things we do for Jesus have more to do with the part that gets you to figuring out the thing, right? This part is so important to him. 
This part is so important to him, your process of discovery, the process of alleviating things, the idea of you sitting for seasons and saying, pour into me, fill me, I want to go, the idea of you having to figure out, you know, without having your hands tied behind your back, but this process is so big for him. Always process is great for him. So I want to ask you a few questions um, to start. In relation to your life's work or what you might feel called to do, I want you to kind of throw yourself into one of four categories. I'm not labeling you or saying this is you. I just want you to kind of resonate to where you might be. If you'll pull up the slide, the first one. When you talk or hear people talk about this, do you feel like you are unaware and not looking and not in a like, I'm not looking, but more like, I'm just not looking. You know what I'm saying? Do you feel like you want to know, but don't know? Do you feel like you are actually aware of what God has called you to do and are not doing it? Or do you feel like you know specifically what your life is going to be about and you are walking in it? Does that make sense? So real quick, I'll do that later, actually. I'm not going to put you there yet. We're going to go back to that in a little bit. I want to read you Ephesians 3, 1 through 9. You guys can open your, um, your Bibles, and it'll be on the screen. Is it on the screen behind me? It's up there. Right on. All right. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy, to God's holy apostles and prophets." This mystery is that, and he just explains what, this is kind of what he feels called to do. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, that is bold, it's Paul. We're not talking about random Joe that just kind of snuck his way into the end of the book of John. This is the guy who wrote the books. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this ministry. Mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, through faith, in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. God, touch this word in Jesus' name. So here's what happens. Verse one talks about the suffering that he's experiencing, and then Paul goes on a tangent for 11 verses or 12 verses, and then he comes back to the suffering. I actually love this about Paul, that sometimes he'll, even in his writing, he'll just be writing a word, and it'll kind of flip him into something that doesn't seem to be relevant to the story, but is the story, right? He just basically repeats chapters one through two right here, but he does it in the context 
See, this is what's happening. People in this community had started to struggle because their apostle that has the message brought to them is in prison and this doesn't make sense to them. Why would you have to suffer for this? Why are you suffering? They, some of them even started to doubt whether or not he was the real deal, whether or not he should be the one carrying the gospel to them. And so he says to them, I, Paul, a prisoner not, for, not of Rome. He's not saying I'm a prisoner of Rome. He says I'm a prisoner of Christ for the sake of you Gentiles. And then he goes on for 12 verses of a tangent. And the things that I usually go on, this is where I have to, I need to apologize like half you guys. I wish I was better at this. I do. I've, I've talked to Sarah about it. When I'm passionate about something, it doesn't even matter if it's good or wise. Like a lot of times, I just got to say it. I hate that about myself. And I usually catch myself afterwards. Like, shouldn't have said it. Did it. It's awesome. Now I got to clean up a huge mess. So I would say roughly four out of the five things I get really passionate about, I'm, I'm, I maybe don't even need to talk about. But there are things that God puts on people's hearts. There are things that you know that when somebody starts talking about them, you have to be a voice in that situation. There are times when you know you have to speak up. And there are times that that is actually connected directly to what God has called you to do. Now, he gives you wisdom to speak about those things. I love this tangent because this tangent isn't about... Hmm, this, tang this, is, this tangent isn't about Paul having the chains removed from his wrists and his feet. Do you know when he's writing this, he's chained to someone. This could have been a book about removing the chains of those near you. This, this is a book about a church becoming loving. And Paul's writing it chained to a, to, to a guard. <laughs> to me, that's one of the best things in the Bible. That you don't even really know that. You just know that this is an amazing book. It's called the Queen of the Epistles by a lot of the theologians who are in the know. This is a book he wrote in prison. And he says to them, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner for Christ for the sake of people. And it taps directly into calling. And, and Lord, help me not to have a tangent today about anything stupid that doesn't need to be said. Please zip my mouth if I don't need to say it. Community, forgive me for, for being passionate about things that are secondary at times. God, help me to lead this church passionate about what you're, you're passionate about other people and their sake. You're passionate about the gospel and Jesus. Always it's about Jesus. And you're passionate about continuing even in suffering. And I just thank you for that, God. Help me to, to mirror that. I have not done a good job. I have not done a good job, and I know I haven't. God, clean up all the messes I make for misguided passion. Help me to, to fuel the flame in people to live for you. Help people to know that their callings are not about what they're going to get, but about who they're going to serve. A calling is about who you'll serve, and it will always look like for their benefit, not for yours. Help us to walk in that as people called to serve. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just want to give you a few things. If you're somebody who takes notes, again, this is not how you're going to find your calling by 5 p.m. This is what happened in this passage, and I just think it's neat. So we find out that it's given by God, and it's actually a word that's not even a word called giveness. When Paul receives this, it's giveness of grace. 
And the grace is a multifaceted, multicolored grace. You can't even, there's not a word for it. It means the grace that's given to him to take it is a multifaceted, multicolored grace that can fit into any situation. But it's given to him by a revelation of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say revelation. revelation. So this is how it happened. If you can pull up Acts twenty-two twenty-one, I'm going to read you this really quickly. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. This is in a context of people being called into ministry and being sent to people and being fought against for doing it. But a revelation from the Holy Spirit through an angel comes down and basically says to Paul, this is what you're going to do. I'm not going to tell you what the revelation of the Holy Spirit looks like for you. I can't sit here and say this is exactly what it'll look like. But I can say that if you feel called, if you believe you're called, it will be guided by that. What, now, I'm going to throw it out to you. What might that look like in your life? I don't know. I know for me, it didn't look like an angel on the road. I know for me, me and Sarah, I can tell you exactly how it happened for us. We were tired of doing church the way that we felt like it was more about us. And so we set aside three months. You know, like you've heard our story. We set aside time to say we are not doing anything else unless we hear from you. That's it. We're not doing anything else unless we hear specifically from you, Lord. And in a three-month seeking period, he basically reveals to us through, and some of you have heard the story, we met with five couples that we cared about, and we said, speak into us. We prayed and fasted for a week. Speak into us, Lord, and we talked together. What's in our heart? The big part that I, I like to share is that in our calling as a couple, we felt like it went together. It wasn't like this. Whereas before in ministry, we were very much like this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Why are you laughing? It was. It was me going to youth ministry, and I loved it. I was too passionate about it, and my family wasn't necessarily as important as they should have been. It looked a lot like Josh doing his thing, and Sarah like being mad at Josh. <laughs> Not real. So I'm still see. That's what I'm saying. Like I just say stuff. But in the new setting, one of the things that we decided, because we're a couple, right? What is God speaking to us? It's not me finding the calling and her saying, yes, sir. It's us sitting at a table and saying, here's what God's called us both to do. And the baby from that is this. You're a baby. This is the baby from Months of seeking, five people, two seminary instructors, a doctor, our parents, amen, amen, amen. This is the baby of fasting, God, and journaling, and, and for us, it didn't look like Paul. I was not, I did not hate you and want you dead, and then all of a sudden, he stops me and says, you're going to love these people now. I, I already wanted some of that, you know, and then it, it looked for us like three months of creating space. I don't know what the revelation of the Holy Spirit will look like for you, but I can tell you this. You have to have him speak to you. And maybe for you it's just, I just got this out of the word. You didn't feel like there was any mystical anything in it. And maybe for you it's like everything's mystical. Like the Holy Spirit's in your bathroom in the form of Casper. Now, I don't know why Casper. It's like this new thing speaking to you. I, I'm not here to pick and choose whose route to it is perfect. I'm just saying you need to hear from the Holy Spirit who is in the triune Godhead and equal with what you're supposed to do with your life. Because I can just tell you this, you don't want to look back on your life and just have like no rhyme or reason for anything, you know, like, and this is not to pressure you, I'm just saying there's much more freedom in the finding than in the searching. 
much more freedom when you know. I wake up, and even on days when this is frustrating, which shockingly is, is a lot of days, in a good way, it's still by far the choice I would make again. It's the choice I would choose because I believe this is where he asked me to be and I want to be, and my heart is for you, for you. And this is what I know about us. Like, many of us just don't know, you know? And, and many of that is, as much of that is because of a lie maybe from the enemy, or maybe there's a lie about you're unforgivable, or maybe there's a lie about I'm just not worth anything, I don't have a skill set, and it's just a bunch of trash, right? Because the Holy Spirit desires to speak to you clearly, And even if it is a 10-year process, in the searching and in the finding, it's beautiful. And that's my heart. That's part of what God's called me to do is to look at you and say, dear God, how do you want this person to spend their life? Because you want to look back on your life. You want to look back when you're, you know, 80, 87. Because some of us are going to live that old and say, I'm so happy at how I chose to live my life. What you're not going to want to do is look back at all of the things that you felt like you wanted that had nothing to do with anything, right? Calling can't be about a bigger house. Like, who cares? If you want a bigger house and you feel like God's letting you do that, it's fine. Calling can't be about just a better job. I mean, at the end of the day, like, what's that going to do for you? You know, like, knowing that you're in the center of what he's created you to do and living out of that will be the best thing that you can do. And people will be closer to the Lord because of it. So we, f- we find out that it's a given calling for him, or givenness, not even a word, and it's revealed by the Holy Spirit, clear in this passage. And in him, when this happens, my hope, this is for what happens to you, he goes from enemy to friend. So in the process of, of finding out what God's called him to do, there's a transition in Paul from a definite enemy to a definite friend, right? That's a big deal. The second thing is, you're, and I just believe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use some step outness on this. I believe it's related to what you've been doing in your life. I do. I don't, I can promise you there was not a day before this happened that Paul was like, eventually God's going to call me to this people. He would have never have thought that, but his whole life like somehow painted this picture and it was already being painted actually all the way up to this point that when it happened, it, it made sense, this part. So there wasn't like this weight. Think about the knowledge that he was, he was able to walk into these communities with, and synagogues and these priests and able to share with them. I believe the same thing for you. If I'm being bold today, that's where my boldness will be. I believe there's not wasted stuff, right? I believe that the things that you've been a part of, the things that God's put in you, the relationships all kind of play in what God's asking for your life and what he's going to do. It's not going to just be like all of a sudden nothing ever mattered and then all of a sudden it only matters from here. He's beautiful in the way that he can use everything, right? That's why for me, it's easy for me to be around people who struggled when they were younger. It's easy. When we do Campbell High School on Thursday night, it's not hard for me. Not that I'm great. There's nothing good about me. I struggled, and it's easy for me to be around people who maybe are struggling in school. It's just easier because God's taught me how to use that to be something that draws people to him. For you, what is it? Even the good and bad stuff, what is it? It will play into when, when it's revealed to you. Those things will be like tools in your belt. Like, I can use these for the kingdom. The third thing is, Paul's response is immediate humility. He's the least, seriously, Paul, shut up. Are you kidding me? You're the least of all of God's people? Okay, that sounds like false humility. Sounds like he's like, and I'm the least of all of God's (laughs) people. (laughs) 
seriously, Paul. He wrote everything. He's a genius. I believe he was being honest. I don't think he was being facetious. I don't think he was kidding, and I don't think he was trying to poke fun at us. I believe he really believed that. I believe when he looked at himself in the mirror, when it wasn't through the lenses of Jesus, he saw someone who was an enemy of the church. And I believe that when he had a Christocentric view, looking at himself through the lens of Jesus, he saw someone that shouldn't be there, and it didn't make him not want to do it, but it made him get excited about doing it. Almost like, oh my goodness, I shouldn't be here? This is stinking awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. (laughs) Everything is awesome. Can you pull up 1 Corinthians 15, 9, please? For I am the least of the apostles. (laughs) Seriously? And do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I mean, if anybody is an awesome apostle, it's Paul. So what's he saying? He's saying it's not about him. here's, Here's what I believe. If you're writing what... If, if you're searching, when it comes to you in the know, you won't feel like I'm about to be stinking awesome. You'll feel like, are you kidding me? There's no way. Like, there's no way. I definitely do not deserve to do this. This is not something even in my wheelhouse. You won't feel like you've been prepped your whole life for it. It will play in. You won't feel like you're qualified, and you shouldn't. You'll feel like there's giveness in it. And you'll have humility. If there's anything other than humility when you start to walk out a call for the Lord, you need to be very careful. Because there's already plenty of that happening. I'm not going to take up an offering for something massive to be built in the Smyrna Prayer Center. That will be, it's going to be like a mile high. The Lord told me to build it. It's only going to cost like $7 billion. You know, we're going to put our name on it. Humility should be in the very beginning of a calling. I should not be doing this. In fact, for those of you who have alleviated yourself from walking out what you feel like God might have led you to do, because you shouldn't be doing it, you need to open the book back up. That's why you should be doing it. Because you don't deserve to do it, and you're not qualified, and you're not good enough to do it. Okay? And you need to just own that and absorb it, and write things and say things. And you'll say stuff like, for I am the least of all the apostles. And James will say stuff like, I'm not really called to worship. And Sarah will say, I'm not really smart. And we'll all be like, you're, you're a genius. You're beautiful. We'll all be like, you're an extremely attractive woman. You're beautiful. You're the smartest person I know. And you'll be like, no, no, no. And you'll mean it. And I shouldn't speak. And you'll mean it. But people around you will be like, is she, is she kidding? There's a connection there, right? If you're the one that's like, God's really gifted me to preach, you know. He's really gifted me to sing. That's scary. (laughs) If you're walking into what God called you to do with that kind of confidence, the only way is down from there, right? God doesn't call us to the table in the church realm to sit at the important seat. He calls us to sit at this seat, and then all of a sudden we'll be asked to move to better spots. But we have to have humility. Paul had humility, and I believe it, even though it's super unbelievable. After you know, it will be powered by the Holy Spirit. Can you pull up Colossians 1.25? And it will be powered by the Holy Spirit to serve, not to be served. All right, can you, can you pull this up? When I became a servant in the church, I experienced this suffering as a sheer gift, God's way of helping me serve you, laying out the whole truth. I love that. 
It actually, in the, in the definition of what's happening here, it talks about when a waiter goes to a table. It's the same, it's the same type of attitude when a waiter approaches a table and says, I'm here for you in every part of the next hour. Some of you are going to be jerks to me. You're not going to want to tip. I'm going to love you anyway because that's stupid. And I'm going I'm to serve you. I'm going to get your drinks. I'm going to do everything you need. That's the same attitude this is out of. Paul's calling is like that. And your calling will flow out of the same kind of place. That's why our prayers as a staff, and I say this too much, is always who is God calling you to serve? Who is God, when you step up here, the picture I have to always have in my head is that I'm washing your feet. That's what preaching is. It's washing your feet. It's putting myself below you and saying, I'm, I exist for you to grow in the Lord. I exist for you to grow in the Lord. And that's what you're... The, the church doesn't exist to show you how to be a better you, right? That's good, and that's part of your identity. That's what we walk through. But your calling and what God's asking you to do is there for you to give 100% for others. It's not 50-50 where, guys, I'm just going to need some space, you know, like, God's calling me. I'm going to have to get some, some preach time, you know. I, have to, I, I, need, I need to be on that worship team. I had a lady in the first church I was a part of. You guys remember a lady named Juanita Bynum? She used to come to conferences. We were part, Nobody knows who that is in this group. We're so irrelevant. Okay. So evidently she, Amanita Bynum would go to conferences and preach and people would love it and they would be like write a book and they would buy their books and all that cool stuff. And this lady at our church, like one, one day she, during, <laughs> during the middle of a service, she jumped up on stage because the Lord told her to get up on stage and lead everybody in worship. I'm just telling you from a, just me and you standpoint, that should not have happened. It was not what she thought it was. And she looked, she looked at the staff and said, the only, the only thing that Juanita Bynum has on me is time. She was saying to us, I am I'm meant to be up here, and you're meant to listen to me. And that's not good. And listen, like we say that here, and it makes a lot of sense, and, but really, just to be honest with you, for a lot of people who go into ministry, that's kind of the honesty about where all of our hearts really are at some point. And if you do not quench that at some point and realize it's not about you, your calling will become about you. And you'll have your own ministry. Like, I'm going to have JTM cranking here soon. You know what I'm saying? Josh Turner Ministries. Not happening. It's not happening. No, you know, because any time, this is, and this, is, uh, this might be a tangent, any time you're, you're being used for the Lord, when you leave whatever situation for the Lord, He should be what they're thinking of. Not you. And they should feel like, oh my goodness, I was just overwhelmingly served. Not made to serve. Like, your calling doesn't mean finally people will, you'll be important. Does that make sense? It's finally the ones around you will know how important they are. That's calling. That's who God puts in front of people. Man builds cathedrals and gets the strongest figurehead they can to put in the center. And then we honor that person. God takes his God clothes off, comes down and clothes himself in flesh, and then allows himself to be killed. That's his cathedral. Every time the word glory is mentioned in the Bible, you can find the word suffering right near it. I promise. Look it up. You talk about the glory of God, even Old Testament and New. Somewhere close to it, it will mention suffering. Always those two are intertwined. Your glory, Lord. It's not just about like, 
I know Third Day has an amazing song, and it's great. It's not just about like stars. It's also about his glory is that he gave his life. And our glory for this community is that we would give our life. It's not that we would finally be recognized. Amen? All right. Other than that, I would say, if I'm going to give you a definitive, this is biblical. I'll say verses 10 through 12 is a part of everyone's calling. I'll say that, and I'm going to read it to you. Verses 10 through 12, if you could pull those up. Through followers of Jesus, like yourselves, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. What? Keep going. All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. There's more. When we trust in him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said, bold to go wherever we need to go. So don't let my present trouble on your behalf get you down. Be proud. That's 13, I think. Here's the, here's the things that are in every calling. It's going to be in line with his plan from the beginning. It's going to be about Jesus. It's going to involve the church. I'm not sure about the angels part. Like they could know about what they do. This, this passage just said, this being made known, the angels will know it. <laughs> Have you seen that commercial where heads explode? It's creepy, but that should be happening in here. As you're being, it's being revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, powered by the Holy Spirit, he's saying this is for you, and you're being humbled like, oh my goodness. The angels know it, and the angels are a part of it, and your job, according to this, is to make known this mystery that is in line with what Jesus did. It will always be, if, I'm, I'm on a tangent, this could be a tangent, say stop. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it. Listen, if your whole vision of what God called you to do does not involve the cross of Jesus, you don't need to be doing it. If it's all resurrection, like, woo, everything is awesome, and never suffering, how are you going to mourn with someone who's lost a loved one? If it's all resurrection and no cross, how are you going to live when you're chained to someone who you can't get away from? How are you going to do it if it's all resurrection and everything is awesome and it's always good moods? Everything is good moods. How are you going to get through the hard parts? Your whole theology is destroyed at some point. Because Paul is attached to a guard, actually attached, and you don't even know it because he's writing his best work. In his suffering, we get his best work. In his suffering, in his being attached to something he doesn't necessarily want to be attached to, we see his best work. So those of you who are like, it's too hard right now. God has maybe the strongest voice you'll have in your life in those times. Maybe, just like Paul, you'll write the book of Ephesians and whatever that is. In the maybe it's compounded in suffering that much. Those of you who feel like it's just too hard right now, it's just too hard. Maybe right now is the prime, it's like the center cut of your life. Does that make sense? Don't wait for all happiness and joy, joy. Don't wait. You'll miss your whole life. Now, I'm just going to run through these. When you experience feeling like you know what God's called you to do, it will involve suffering. It's going to involve suffering. 
when we started this, this is the honest truth. I don't know if I should say this on, I'm going to say it. I made like $60,000 as a youth pastor. That's pretty good for a youth pastor. Nobody, people are like, what? What do you do with all your time? I played games and like colored, did a lot of that. And then I'd preach once a week, but I wouldn't put any time into that because you don't have to put time into preaching really. Just kidding. I went from, from that and like this is where it could be like, oh, you poor soul to making, how much did we make that one year we decided to like live our life dream? Under $20,000 one whole year. Doesn't even make sense, right? I promise you, that would look like suffering to everyone in America, right? It was the best year of our entire life. I prom- By far, not even close. There's not a year I've heard better from the Lord. There's not a year we had more people come through and bless us. There's not a better year of traveling. It doesn't even make sense. There's not a better year of who I knew who I was in Christ. You will suffer for the sake of the calling God, is, but it won't seem like suffering. It won't. You won't feel like you're chained to a guard. You'll feel like you're writing the New Testament's maybe best epistle. It will involve suffering, but if it's calling, if it's you know God has said it, it won't even feel like it. That's why people were given their lives for Jesus and heads were being cut off. That's why. Because it didn't feel like suffering. That's so good to me. It will be doubted. Please look at me. When you feel it will be doubted. The people he was writing this book to doubted whether or not he was their apostle still. When you feel like you know it will be doubted. If your life becomes... And I'm going to close with this. If your life becomes about what God can give you until the end, right? You'll never want to suffer, right? That's the opposite of suffering. That mindset means, well, if I'm suffering, that must not be from the Lord. But if your life and calling are directly about other people, not you, you'll suffer as long as it takes. You'll suffer as long as it takes and it won't matter. You won't run from it. You won't run from an $18,000 salary, which wasn't even a salary, it was just $18,000. It was good. It was good. You'll, you won't run from a hard relationship. You won't run from a church. You know, and so, I'll just say this. Don't feel like you're locked in here forever, and I know you don't, but that's not good theology either. Like, sometimes God calls people from churches and to church. That's good, but when it gets bad, really examine if that's when it's time to leave. Because a lot of times it's not. In fact, if you're leaving a church, I think you should leave healthy. That's my goal. When we plant churches, leave this church the healthy people. If you're still broken and hurting, you probably need to, we need to get through this together, right? Like, let's sit at a table together and love each other, break some bread. Because suffering doesn't mean it's not the Lord's plan. Suffering could mean it is exactly the Lord's plan. For the sake of the Gentiles, do not mourn me, Gentiles. Do not hate that this is happening. I'm doing this for your sake, and I am somehow enjoying it. In your calling, you will suffer. You will be doubted. But if it's from the Lord and you know it, and at least you have, I didn't hear the, but at least you know this is what, then it's fine. It's fine. As bad as it can be, it's fine. Your car breaks down, it's fine. You don't have money in your bank, it's fine. Something happens to a family member that you don't want to happen. It's not fine, but he's with you in the peace. He's with you, and you can get through it. So your calling's got to be about others. I'm going to end like this. Can we have the um, people who are going to come up for 
worship and prayer. Um, prayer teams, you can go ahead and get in, in your spots. I just want to share with you. Can you pull that slide back up, please, of the four things? Again, today, as you're kind of, as we're forming and going, this is not a blueprint for calling, okay? Callings are like snowflakes, I think. Your life works, it's like God will bring it to you in the way that you listen and hear. But I want you to interact a little today. I want you to interact just a bit. And I'm going to give you some challenges in relation to these. And as, before I do that, I just want to do this. Some of you might have been stirred in this to feel unworthy. And I just want you to know that in Christ you have access to everything. You have boldness in him to approach him. We can approach the throne of grace boldly, right? So for those of you already feeling unworthy about this, for those of you desiring to perform and like something went off in you and you're like, oh, I can do a good job at something. That's not what this is either. It's not about performance. It's about living out of who you were created to be. For those of you who are real, th this is gonna sting some people. For those of you who really, all of your prayers have been based around physical things you're wanting from the Lord. If your whole prayer pattern has been things, house, money. I'm not saying he doesn't like you. None of that. I'm saying he wants you to step back from that. He, de he desires to give you better things than physical things. Things like long-suffering and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. And lastly, <laughs> for those of you who are older, let's just get it out there. We'll have talks later. For those of you who are older, I've already lived my life. I'm settled in. This is the best time in your life to live for the Lord, by far. You have more to say than anybody in the room. Every person in here who's over the age of 38, I'm 38. That's the dividing line for wisdom and not wisdom. That's what I've heard. It's not that you're not wise. Listen to me, every older person. Look around this church and how many younger people we have, and they're not even all here today. This is not a young church. This is just who God's brought to us, and he's put people here who has wisdom to connect with the younger people who think they have wisdom. Does that make sense? Because none of us really do when we're young. We do, but we don't. So please be encouraged, older people. You're going to hate me, Phil and Jill. They're like almost older, not really older yet. So Phil and Jill are two of our elders right here. Can you raise your hands? They started coming to a life group once a month to speak into some younger people. Who's in that life group that they come to? Who, enjo who enjoys when they come? They show up and pour into younger people. Please hear me when I say this, older person. Your best part of life is now, right now. And we need you, the body of Christ needs you. We need your patience, we need your wisdom. We need to know when we're doing dumb stuff because we're gonna do it a bunch. Younger people, I don't even know how to encourage you. Like, Some of you already know exactly what God's called you to do and you've got the whole plan mapped out and some of you are like still fighting sin pattern and you're like, I'm excluded because I still struggle. And I don't want to even dive into theology of that today. I just want you to know that the Father is for you. And more than anything, he would like you to dine with him. We have communion that's available for anybody who would like to sit at the table with the Father. We're not going to provide it for you. It can be you alone. Anybody who feels too distant to be with the Lord. That's the opposite gospel. That exact phrase is opposite gospel. You're too distant. He came to destroy barriers and to draw near. Those who are far and those who are near to draw in. He's a fence destroyer. He would not own a fencing company. 
He would own a knot fencing company. He would make tons of money on not fencing because he would want everyone to be drawn in. He's drawing you in with his kindness. His kindness leads us to repentance. And in that, we become sons and daughters, not because we've done right, but because we've understood right. That's Jesus for you. So if you would all stand to your feet. And I am going to do this. We're still good on time, guys. Nobody can be upset. If you feel like, and this is going to take some boldness and bravery, if you feel like you are unaware and you just kind of haven't even thought about calling, would you pre- please raise your hand? This is going to be a brave one. Had a baby. Thanks, Richard. This is Richard, my friend. He's awesome. Anybody else? All right. Second one. You really want to know? You just don't have any clue. Raise your hand. All right. Third one. You are aware of your calling and just are not at all walking in it. Raise your hand. <laughs> awesome. I'm not laughing at you. I just think it's cool to be honest. Fourth one, you are aware and walking in it. Raise your hand. Amen. All right. Now, if you need prayer, this is the time to do it, especially if you're any of those. Especially if you're one through four. Aware and walking in it, people. Listen, this is where the challenge is. We think aware and walking in it's arrival. That's like the initial en route. That's like, please pray for me now. That's where you stand when you're aware and walking in it. You need a prayer team, a prayer shield. You need people to know your story. Here's the deal for the fours. People need to hear your story. They need to hear your story because the ones don't even know how to get there, right? They need to hear your story. So this is what we're going to do. Ones and twos, raise your hand. We're just going to get funky. Threes and four, raise your hand, ones and twos. Threes and fours, partner with them now in prayer. Can we do that? Will you commit to do that, threes and fours? Raise your hands again, ones and twos. Okay, we got Jessica up there, back here. All right, so in the next few moments, I'm going to let you guys disperse. You can receive prayer with our people, but you guys go find somebody, and you're going to keep your hands raised until somebody gets to you, and then you're never going to come back to our church. So it'll be beautiful. So, Father, right now, you're stirring. You're stirring calling. You're stirring our life's work. Whatever we want to call it, we're going to spend our life doing something. We want to do what you want us to do out of the right place. So in Jesus' name right now, I pray that you would push us into a place where we want to live for you in humility, powered by the Holy Spirit, about the gospel, where it's about other people. In Jesus' name, amen. One last time, raise your hand if you're ones and twos. Everybody else, you can go to them. If somebody stuck out to you, right up here on front, keep them up high. Go to them if you're a three and a four. Don't be afraid. Need you. Just spend some time here just praying for one another and pouring into one another. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.